there we go. Sean Turney here. It is Tuesday night. It is, can you believe it, December 1st. I'm here with the Tom Kearney Show, inviting you to talk with Tom every night, Monday through Friday, from uh, 9 until 10, with uh, some real, in, in real-time radio. And one of my favorite guests, going back into eternity backwards, uh, is the gentleman who's with us tonight. Uh, I was thinking last week that somehow the baseball season, however it had, much, hey, it had been jerked around, had ended with, with me not really having a, a good idea beyond who won the World Series of uh, exactly what had happened, that here and there I would hear that certain people had received certain awards and so on. But it meant, well, I was getting a message from on high that we needed to check up on this stuff and share it with you. And so we invited Tony Rigsby to come and be with us tonight. Are you there, Mr. Rigsby? I am right here, Thomas, and it has been just over a month uh, since the season ended. Right. I think it was like October 27th or something like that. I, I looked it up because what I just Yeah, it was you, almost exactly a month for postseason because the last day of the regular season was September the 27th. Right. And what I just told you was the absolute truth. I, I thought, now I can scramble around and look this up on the net and maybe find the results, or I could invite Tony to come and be on the radio with me. And we could talk about some baseball and other sports, too. And uh, at the same time, share it. We will broadcast it. Uh, by the way, Tony, we, last night our program, you, you may or may not know, we, I, I ended up just me talking about, uh, well, it was a free history lesson was what it was. You might even have called it a kind of podcast on the radio having to do with the fact that, and I had forgotten about this as it happened. I had, had intended long ago to, to do a special show on it, and it had happened that I did it uh, about four weeks too, not too late, four weeks late, and that is the Harding-Cox election returns of 1920, November 2nd, I believe. Or That's right, a, a return to normalcy in the 1920 election. Exactly, and, and they're generally regarded as one of the first times the radio really demonstrated widely that uh, it, it could be used to disseminate news uh, instantaneously rather than, well, you... If you wanted to know who won that election, you all you had to do was listen to KDKA. And, there, and of there course, was. one of the uh, things that people forget about that election, they forget who the vice presidential candidate was on the Democratic ticket that year. Well, uh, I, I, what I know about him is that he had uh, uh, recently worked for Josephus Daniels. He had, and uh, he later, it was his first of five times on the uh, uh, the Democratic ticket for either president or vice president, the only time he ever lost. And, of course, we're talking about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right. He was a young uh, and had not uh, contracted polio, which he would do actually about a year later in 1921. And uh, That's right. And, of course, uh, uh, a movie that I like a lot uh, 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 is very good at explaining what happened there. Uh, Ralph Bellamy starring as Franklin Delano Roosevelt in a movie that I really like called Sunrise at Campobello. Right, Campobello being a, an island off of, it's actually, I think it's actually a Canadian island, but it Roosevelt's is. had an estate or or, or beach, beach house, I can imagine what it looks like there. But uh, am, I, am I not right about that? I think so, yes. Yes, uh, I remember one day, uh, this is a, a sideline, but uh, I was standing out there in the newsroom where you usually work at WPTF, and it was when we had the the uh, thing that printed out continuously, you know, news, sports, and everything, and 
you had to tear uh, off the, the wire. Yeah, had to wire. Had to tear off pieces and put them on little pegs and so on. It was about 1989, and I was standing there looking for something, and the uh, the uh, uh, the thing started ringing, bing, 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 and I looked down and it said, uh, "Ralph Bellamy has died." And it was inaccurate, it as was, I recall. That's right. In fact, I think I may still have that piece of paper in an old briefcase that I've kept. That I sort of throw important pieces of paper in, but. And about 30 minutes later, another one ran and said, no, Ralph Bellman has not died. But I always liked him. He was a good, uh, you wouldn't call him a character actor because he starred in a few things, I guess, but I always enjoyed him. He, uh, he's in a pair well, of you know, Tom, there, are, there are lots of radio stories that we can tell. Uh, <laughs> and then there are those that we cannot tell. And one of my favorite ones that we cannot tell involved you and The Wire and the late Alvin T. Half Hanson. Right. Well, the, the night we tell that one, we will get a few of our other friends in, and That's then right. uh, we will resign at the end of the program. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what, nearly, uh, well, I guess, 84, 85, somewhere in there? I think, uh, I think it was 1982, because that was the first time that I had a shift that was overnight, and I had to tear the weather, or I had to tear all the different things off and put them on the right pegs. And I know I didn't do what what he said I did. I'm telling too much of this because it was the first time we'd ever met. And I knew so little about what went where that I tore everything off and put it on some peg, if you understand what I mean. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know enough to discriminate. What we well, you know, it's, it's interesting. We talked about the half. Uh, sad to note uh, in the News and Observer last week, the... Uh, the passing of Hap's wife, uh, Charlotte, uh, she died uh, living over in Morganton uh, uh, just before Thanksgiving. Yes. Well, uh, that was, the time you've described is the first time we met him, and he 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 was he was upset with me, and he he should have been, but he was. And but later, he we became good friends, as you and he were very good friends. In fact, if anybody ever calls you Antoine, you think of the late Alvin T. Hap Hansen, who was from Iowa, I believe, wasn't he? That's right, he was, and uh, the only person who has ever called me Antoine was Hap Hansen. Well, I I feel like uh, I shouldn't do it when I do it, but I do it anyway. uh, But he was, uh, I got to where I could enjoy talking to to Hap and so on. But um, you can see what kind of staff, ladies and gentlemen, who are listeners, we have at WPTF. Tony is one of my mentors. He was there. There are two people who are on the the programming staff. They've been there longer than I have, and one is Tony and one is Mike Rayleigh. And both of them were people who helped train me. And uh, I, if I make any mistakes, it's their fault. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony. I had to do that. Yes, but, I uh, take full blame for everything, right? <laughs> full, blame, full blame for everything. Well, you are the person who, who ended up calling me the what was it, the agricultural figure of the day or something like that? Agribusiness personality. Agri- and this was a decision made at a bleary-eyed 4 o'clock in the morning. But, ladies and gentlemen, I really do wish that Tony and I and Mike and a couple of other people could tell you radio stories. They, they would be the most entertaining thing you could think of. But, but Rigsby has a, a better value as a, as a newsman. He's an excellent newsman, and he, uh, he knows sports, and I miss being able to talk to him at the radio station when he was not with us. He, he has. There have been times that he was not with us, but he is. He is with us now. And Tony, I, I really did. Uh, uh, I knew that the Dodgers won because the, 
gentleman who uh, does the, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, sprays my house for parasites and everything, is a really bad Dodger fan, and he, he gets, he's really into it, is what I'm trying to say to you. And I think John is a Dodger our producer is a Dodger fan, too. And well, of course, you know who is also a Dodger fan is is our boss, Rick Martinez, is a huge, huge Dodger fan. I was working up to Rick. Yes, I was, because I know he's a Dodger fan, too. And and uh, I, it's, a, it's a pleasant memory with the Dodgers for me, because when I was first becoming aware of baseball, I was probably about eight, nine years old, there were two choices on the playgrounds of Goldsboro. One of them was the Yankees, and the other one was the Dodgers. And since my grandfather was a Yankees fan, I I went with the family choice there. But uh, well, I am shocked to hear that because I would have thought that uh, you would have gone with the Pittsburgh Pirates, knowing your uh, long-time affinity for the Pirates. Well, I was beginning to acquire that at that point, and it has a connection with radio because I I listened to the radio a lot. Uh, there was no TV station in Eastern North Carolina, and one of the stations I could get was. Uh, the aforementioned, I mentioned it in terms of the election of 1920, uh, KDKA, and they had the first talk show I ever heard on the radio, and they had, and it would come on right after the the Pirates games. The Pirates were bad then; they were the they were as bad as the Mets were when they came into existence. The These were the they, Pirates of the uh, of the Joe Garagiola era with the Pirates. Exactly, but they were beginning to acquire people like Dick Grote. Uh, and so on, uh, Bob Skinner uh, and uh, Roberto Clemente. Lucky Burgess. Uh, right, and, and Rocky Nelson, people who would make them by 1968, just seven or eight years later, uh, a world champion, winner of the World Series against the Yankees. I don't know when Maz joined them, but he was somewhere along in there. But they were building the team. And one of the uh, there were two guys on it from North Carolina that attracted my attention. One of them was uh, the Sam uh, Naren, who was the bullpen coach, who's from near Raleigh, and uh, and a guy named Clyde King was a, a pitching coach for them for a while. Eventually, and of course, Clyde King, uh, uh, a legend in baseball, long, long career, first as a pitcher, then as a pitching coach, then as a manager, and then as the general manager of the New York Yankees. And he had that wonderful quality that not many general managers or managers had, and that he could, I can't even think of his name now, Tony, the a man who owned the Yankees. Uh, George Steinbrenner. He could get along. Well, Steinbrenner liked him, and they, yeah. they got along. And so that's why he And uh, Clyde, of course, was one of the, uh, the nicest men you'll ever meet. And uh, Clyde's daughter, Princey, is a friend of mine. Uh, she... Um, is a part of the Wilson Hot Stove League banquet uh, that we've had most years. I don't think we're going to have it this winter. I'm not sure because of the COVID thing, but uh, it's a banquet I've been privileged to take part in every year for the last 20 years. And Princey King uh, presents uh, an award uh, for her father every year at that banquet, too. He had, I think, must have had a couple of girls because one of his daughters dated a friend of mine at one time. We were telling we're gossiping now is what we're doing. But I used to deliver his newspaper uh, in Goldsboro because uh, he maintained a home there, for, even though he spent a lot of time in Florida and New York and places like that. But he was an outstanding baseball figure. He, 
he was also a Christian gentleman, and I think most people would, would have liked that about him. He so. certainly was, and I don't know of anybody uh, with any connection with baseball who's ever had anything negative to say about Clyde King. Uh, nor do I. And uh, uh, He was one of those people. Uh, when the, 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 the Dodgers were all wrought up about the, the arrival of Jackie Robinson, that uh, was... Uh, he wasn't there when Jackie arrived, but he he was on the calmer side of that, and I, I think his his wife uh, helped uh, uh, prepare well not prepare but deal with the wives in the situation and welcome Mrs. Robinson into the circle, so to speak. At least that's the story that I've heard, and I happen to believe it. So that uh, that that will go for that. Uh, we need to to take a break here. We have too much fun talking, but when we come back, uh, give. Give your observations, because they're worth listening to, I'm sure, uh, of the baseball season, what they were able to do finally when they got things going, uh, and uh, maybe talk about, in addition to who won the World Series, who got uh, the Cy Young Award and the Rookie of the Year and the Manager of the Year and things like that, if you don't mind. Is that okay? That sounds good. Okay, Tony Rigsby, who I always have too much fun talking to. John Sauter is our... Uh, is our uh, producer, engineer, and he's going to play some commercials for you. And Tony will be, and I will be back in just a couple of minutes. Although we're not limited to that, talking uh, baseball. And uh, uh, I've asked him to sort of review things so that I'll make sure that I'm caught up on uh, not only the Dodgers won the World, World Series, right, Tony, against the uh, – Race. They certainly did in a very memorable World Series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, was was they they were supposed to play sixty two games? Is that about right? Yeah, uh, sixty. Uh, yeah, uh, it was basically uh, sixty games in about uh, sixty seven days. Okay, now if we were talking about prognosticating for the season before it began. Was there really any surprise that the, that the Rays were pretty strong? No, not really, because they have uh, uh, been coming along for a number of years. The, the surprise this year, of course, was the fact that we had the expanded playoffs after the shortened season. Uh, and I thought that that went extremely well uh, with the, uh, the short uh, three-game series for that first round of the playoffs. And... Uh, and you know, then the best of five, and then the best of seven. After that, so the, the playoffs I thought were extremely interesting this year, and uh, great uh, playoff series uh, with uh, the Atlanta Braves for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League Championship Series before they got to the World Series, and uh, I, I think it really captured a lot of attention uh, for what would have been. A very forgettable short season otherwise, but uh, postseason, I think, made up for it this year. I think the the presence of the uh, virus uh, jerked things around a little bit and made it, for me at least in the beginning, a little hard to get a hold of the thing. And, and to see well, it was very tough for a couple of teams, uh, particularly the St. Louis Cardinals and the uh, Miami Marlins there at the beginning of the season because they had some of the COVID uh, outbreaks. But then later in the season, uh, pretty much uh, everything went well. Um, you didn't have, once you got to, to uh, mid-August, 
really for the final six weeks of the season, there were very few COVID problems. And then they went into the bubble for the postseason. It was interesting to me to see also, uh, I was glad that it happened for Don Mattingly, uh, that the Marlins were finally able to get a little bit of traction in, in their team in Miami. Well, of course, they started off very well once they got past the COVID problems, and Don Mattingly ended up as the uh, National League uh, Manager of the Year. And, of course, it is intriguing because he was Dave Roberts' predecessor as the uh, manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, what is it, Donnie Baseball? Is that what? That during his years with the New York Yankees, he was uh, a longtime Yankees coach following his playing career when uh, Joe Torre was uh, still the uh, the Yankees manager, and then he went with Joe Torre to the Dodgers when Torre became the Dodgers manager, and uh, Mattingly went with him as his bench coach for a lot of years. And then uh, Mattingly took over the Dodgers uh, following uh, Joe Torre's retirement and. Uh, then after he was dismissed a few years later, uh, he went to the Marlins as manager and has been there since. Working for, in a sense, another old Yankee, uh, Derek Jeter. Uh, Derek Jeter. Yes. Uh, and, of who, course, the great story, Tom, that uh, some people may not know of, he got a lot of publicity at the time, but also now working for the first woman general manager in Major League Baseball history with the naming of Kim Ng. Uh, to that position about three weeks ago. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and uh, uh, the, the Marlins got a lot of accolades for that, I think. Uh, they did, and uh, Kim Ng uh, has uh, 30 years of baseball experience, and uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Kim several times because uh, one of her duties when she was at the Major League Commissioner's office but she was the person who oversaw the Arizona Fall League. So I would uh, see her quite a bit in the fall. She was uh, my boss, Steve Cobb's boss, uh, uh, in the Arizona Fall League. And uh, she had been a finalist for a number of GM jobs over the years. But before her uh, time in the commissioner's office, she had been with both the Yankees and the Dodgers as an assistant general manager. So certainly very well prepared and... Uh, uh, I think uh, universal applause with uh, her naming as the uh, the new general manager of the Miami Marlins. We need to stop and check on what news is going in the world, Tony. But we'll come back to the award winners and uh, the baseball season 2020 right after this. Meteorologically, the beginning winter, uh, astrologically, and not astrologically, astronomically, winter begins about December 21st. But the, the weather people, the meteorologists, to round things off and make it nice and even, usually think of it as the 1st of December. And on the 2nd of December, that is tomorrow night, Nick Petro of the National Weather Service will be our guest to talk about preparedness for winter weather that is coming up. The Winter Weather Preparedness Week in North Carolina for the whole state is actually next week, but we stole the march on those folks this year, and uh, Nick, who is a regular visitor, will be our guest tomorrow night. Tonight, Tony Rigsby is with us, and that means we're talking baseball. John, you should have gotten a talking baseball song out tonight. Tony, are you still there? I am still here, just listening to you talk about your preview for Nick Petro coming on tomorrow night. 
And, of course, uh, that will be a timely show because the mountains of North Carolina had uh, winter storms today. Indeed. Uh, we, they had, uh, well, they were on the, the national, uh, what am I trying to say, the weather, the weather channel. Uh, uh, but because of the snow they got, and I think Beach Mountain and places like that got four to six inches today. So people will be, I guess, snowing, uh, snowing, skiing. <laughs> That's good. I'll be all right in a minute. But uh, we need to go back to baseball now and for you talk about who was the American League Manager of the Year. Now, the American League Manager of the Year was Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays, a former Durham Bull who's done a tremendous job uh, since taking over for Joe Madden as the manager of the Rays uh, several years ago. Uh, there was uh, competition, I think, you know, with several different uh, people, uh, one of whom who got votes was... Uh, uh, Rick Renteria, who took the Chicago White Sox to postseason for the first time in eight years and then was fired by the White Sox following the end of the season and uh, replaced by uh, the uh, the veteran uh, Hall of Famer Tony La Russa. Is it the, the sort of a belief that the White Sox may be on the way back in a way? Well, I think they were by the fact they got to the, uh, to the World Series this year. They had the... Uh, uh, most valuable player in the American League, Jose Abreu. So I, uh, uh, yeah, they're they're definitely back. That was why it was something of a surprise that uh, Rick Renteria was fired. Rick Renteria has had bad luck. He was fired after one year as the Cubs manager simply because Theo Epstein wanted to hire Joe Madden, uh, and then he went to the White Sox and did his job, got them back into postseason and uh, then was fired following this season. So uh, that's uh, the way it goes in baseball sometimes. But uh, I was glad to see that Rick Renteria did get support in that manager of the year voting this year. Well, maybe Rick will find his place. You know, there have been some mayors, I think, of Casey Stingle, who tried three or four times and could hardly scratch. And then all of a sudden he ended up with the Yankees and became an icon, really. He did, uh, and if you, uh, there was a great new biography of Yogi Berra that was written this year, and um, when you read that, you you end up questioning a lot about Casey Single. Was he really that good a manager? And uh, I, I think most people think he wasn't, but he happened to be in the right place at the right time. Well, I've always, I've always thought that. I, I probably could have won with the Yankees team that they had in 50, 51, 52. Uh, I well, they won all but two years. The American League pinned all but two years in the decade of the 50s, both times losing out to Al Lopez. Al was with two different teams during that time. And they lost. I, I know. I remember reading uh, David Halberstam's book about the 49 season. They they eked out a win over a really good Boston team that year. So uh, They did. David Halberstam, a guy that I had the pleasure of interviewing in the WPTF studios many years ago, several good baseball books and uh, outstanding books on other subjects. You mentioned the one he did on the uh, 1949 season. My favorite was the one he did on the 1964 season. My brother agrees with you on that. Probably the best book he wrote, though, was... Uh, the book on the Vietnam War. Uh, the best and the brightest? The best and the brightest, yeah. I think uh, the scholars were uh, still think that that was a, a, a book that one, one would want to read. And so on. And sadly, he was killed in an accident in California. 
Well, my, one of my favorite memories of David Halberstam is that uh, he came into our studio and did that interview of the state interview, and uh, he they wanted to do it on uh, on a Friday evening, but I told them that I couldn't do it on Friday evening, but I would be there on Saturday morning, and I could do it by phone if. Uh, they liked, and they called up David Halberstam. He said, no, I'll come in on a Saturday morning. So we did it in the, uh, the SFN studio on a Saturday morning, and I was always very impressed by the fact that he did that. Uh, well, I had the impression, I've read a fair amount about David, and I had the impression that that, that, that was not out of his character at all. He was really that kind of guy. A uh, delightful was, guy to talk to. So uh, the... Tampa Bay manager was the manager of the year. How about Kevin the Cash. most valuable players and things like that, and Cy Young winners? Well, you, uh, the most valuable player, and I had mentioned earlier that uh, Jose Abreu of the uh, yeah, right. of the Chicago White Sox uh, is um, the uh, most valuable player in the American League. Fascinating story with the most valuable player in the National League, uh, Freddie Freeman of the uh, Atlanta Braves, and what makes that even more fascinating than it would normally be is that uh, he missed uh, a good portion of the summer camp, which was the revived spring training that they had uh, in the month of July, because he had a very serious case of COVID, much more serious than most of the players who got COVID. But he not only recovered from that, but had the... uh, outstanding season and went on to become the, uh, the National League Most Valuable Player. So uh, I, I think that the Freddie Freeman was one of the great stories of the uh, 2020 baseball season. Let's see, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to tell these good stories to you, tell me, because uh, you know them and, and I don't. How about the uh, Cy Young winners? Well, uh, the uh, I've got to admit I'm having a senior moment now on remembering the name of the uh, American League Cy Young Award winner from the Cleveland Indians. I, I just can't bring it up right this Cooper second. Or something like that. Yeah, and of course the uh, National League Cy Young Award winner, also in the state of Ohio, Trevor Bauer from the Cincinnati Reds. It was good to, to see the Reds. Uh, uh, our friend Mike Mike uh, Walden is a Reds fan, as you know, and uh, it's uh, good to, to. I've been kind of giving him a hard time, but of course my Pirates have done worse than even the Reds have done, but. Uh, a, uh, some of course, his Reds were in postseason this year, too. Yep. And, they are uh, all the way back, too. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, Mike was a guest last week on TV with uh, uh, our old friend and our old boss, Tom Campbell, on NC Spin. Uh, and it was, you know, zoomed in, and you could see in uh, in Mike's home his uh, collection of Cincinnati Reds caps in the background back there. Well, the, you gave me one of the caps for a Christmas present about 10 years ago, and it's one of the nicest-looking caps that I've got. So, uh, 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 I mean, I wear it. I don't go out of the house much today, and once in a while Mrs. Kearney will come in and say, why have you got your baseball cap on top? You just need to do it once in a while, uh, even if you don't go outside very much. Rookies of the year, anything there? Uh, it, it was nothing that... Uh... Uh, was not unexpected with that. I think, though, that one of the really interesting uh, postseason awards this time was one of the the Executive of the Year awards. 
Uh, and this is not done on a league basis. And there are a couple of different organizations that do uh, executives of the year. But uh, some of the people who got votes uh, were later out of, uh, out of jobs. And that uh, has unfortunately become uh, more common in recent years. But uh, uh, you see guys who win that award and then they go to a new team and then they're uh, in last place. I think of Heim Bloom, who picked up that award with the Tampa Bay Rays a few years ago now as the chief baseball officer for the uh, Boston Red Sox. And uh, we saw the struggle that they had. And, you know, it was interesting that we had the three managers who lost their jobs because of the Astros uh, cheating scandal uh, right before the start of the season. In uh, January, three managers were, were named. Dusty Baker became the new manager of the uh, Houston Astros, took that team the postseason. And... Uh, uh, Luis Rojas with the Reds and uh, with the um, Mets and the Red Sox with Ron Renneke. Ron Renneke lost his job and ironically was replaced by the guy that he had replaced who had been suspended, Alex Cora, uh, who was sort of the ring leader in that scandal with the Houston. So, uh, Alex Cora went around in a circle. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, he did. And uh, uh, A.J. Hench, who was the uh, Astros manager, who was not as culpable, he ended up as the, the new manager of the Detroit Tigers following the season two when his suspension ended. I don't really have that much problem with A.J. Hench because he was not a ringleader of this, but Alex Cora, I have tremendous problems with the Red Sox rehiring him. Well, uh, I meant to ask you this when we came out of the break. You mentioned the lady who is now a high management person with them. Kim Ng, the new GM of the Boston of the uh, Miami Marlins. I was thinking the Yankees used to have some female who was pretty high in their management. Was she, was that her or was that somebody? That was else? her. That was her. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things about them that they've had for a number of years, fifteen years, is a female broadcast announcer. Uh, uh, you know, my Susan Waldman. Susan Waldman. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know that any other major league team has in the booth uh, an, an announcer. Well, I I got to say that our uh, our good friend uh, Melanie Newman. Uh, veteran of the Arizona Fall League, is one of the in-booth broadcasters for the Baltimore Orioles. Well, that just proves that I've not listened to all the teams there. Well, that's good, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, and Melanie, of course, has worked a lot of uh, ACC games over the years, and uh, I I know Melanie very well from both the uh, Arizona Fall League and from spring training in Arizona. Uh, she worked her way up through the minors, was the uh, uh, voice of the uh, – Salem team in the Carolina League and then uh, got the break uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. Very, very well deserved. Uh, this is why I like to have you on, Tony, so I can find out what's going on in baseball. Tony Rigsby, we're talking baseball. We're going to take a break and we'll be, be back with the last quarter of the program. Then Georgie Kelly came upon the scene. I'm talking baseball. The Motor City team. Uh, Tony, that's your team, the Motor City team. He is, as, uh, as Chris Berman used to call them on ESPN. Uh, what I was waiting to listen for there, uh, they mentioned uh, one of the characters that was a, a, ty- a tiger of years ago, Schoolboy Row. Uh, but uh, do you know who Prince Hal was? I, I, you'll have to come again, Tom. I couldn't hear you. What, what do you, you know who Prince Hal was? 
Uh, I for the Tigers. Not, Al Newhouser is who I'm thinking of there. Yeah, and, Al Newhouser. Yeah, the, the it sounded Tigers. like you were saying Prince Hal, and that was, I well, said the only person I was thinking of was for some reason uh, uh, was uh, Lewis Howe, who uh, was a Roosevelt age for some reason. Oh my goodness, Prince Hal, H A L. That's was one of his nicknames. But the Tigers have always had a colorful bunch up there. So. Yeah, that's what. That's the one disadvantage of doing this by phone. It's a little harder to hear. And right. uh, and I was not getting Hal out of that. But, yeah, definitely Hal Duhauser and uh, one of the one of the great Tigers. You have to – well, I've done this uh, uh, for a number of months now because of the, the virus and so on. And you do have to pay, really pay attention and, and sort of you know, fill in the blanks sometimes to figure out to what's going on. But, anyway, I've just always thought that uh, – uh, Hal Newhouser and Schoolboy Row and people with goose gossage, people with not gossage, goose stuff. Oh, the, the, Goslin, yeah. Huh, say it again. Goslin. Okay, okay. They, there are any number of players in, uh, that the Tigers have had who had colorful names uh, along the way. Now, where were we? We've got about six or seven minutes left here. Uh, actually, about five minutes left tonight. And is there anything we need to talk about that is news in baseball? We I'm going to invite you back toward the end of the year for your annual appraisal of this past year in sports. And as we talked about the other day, it may be after the actually first of the year, maybe in the first of the week of next year. But at that time, maybe we can uh, posit what will in fact be the case with um, Major League Baseball and how how it will get, and minor league too. Cause, uh, well, the, the whole situation... Uh with minor league baseball and major league baseballs uh, uh, pretty much trying to take over all of minor league baseball. Uh, there's a lot of flux there right now. Uh, we're going from 140 teams down to 120 teams. The elimination of short season ball for the most part, uh, the Appalachian league becoming a summer collegiate league, the pioneer league becoming a, Independent Professional League, the New York Penn League, becoming a Major League Draft League. There's just so much going on behind the scenes. Now, we don't even have the complete contraction list at this point. Well, with the uh, one I particularly was thinking about, in North Carolina, there will be uh, at least one team I know of lost, maybe others, because I know the Burlington team is going to. Yeah, they're going to be a, a summer collegiate team because the whole Appalachian League is going to be a summer collegiate league uh, next year, rather than uh, rather than a professional league. That's the only uh, team in North Carolina that uh, is being contracted. Although uh, there are some reports, and this is not confirmed yet, that uh, the Hickory Crawdads and the Down East uh, Down East team will trade league. Uh, between the uh, Valley League and the Carolina League, but uh, uh, that is not confirmed yet that the uh, that the Crawdads and the Wood Ducks would be uh, uh, trading leagues like that. But that there are strong rumors. Is that is that other team the Kenston team? Yes, down east to Wood uh, Wood Ducks. Yeah, they have. Uh, I just hate to see them get jerked around because they've stayed the, the course so much with with their minor league teams to, to be them to be, but of course, maybe the local people, in fact, prefer that. Uh, uh, is we don't have time to really attack any other particular sport now. It looks like the 
the NBA people took care of their situation, as does the NHL. Uh, Lord only knows what's going to happen to uh, collegiate football. I guess they're going to have the, the usual arrangement to try to pick a national champion. Well, they are, and, of course, there are several bowl games that are not being played. The announcement today that the uh, Sun Bowl will not be played in El Paso this year. So uh, there's a lot still in, in flux on that. And same thing with the uh, with the NFL. You've seen uh, uh, several teams uh, uh, have to lose games and rescheduling. And, and we saw the situation with the Denver Broncos where they had to go with a game without a quarterback, essentially. Uh, because all of their quarterbacks had either been exposed or were suffering from COVID-19 this past week. It's going to be an interesting year when you look at the record books. Uh, uh, maybe somebody will just draw a line through 2020 and we'll just Well, of course, again, we didn't have uh, national champions in, in several things. There was no basketball champion this year. Uh, British Open wasn't played, uh, so... There are a lot of things that will be blank when the year 2020 is looked back on. And uh, one thing you can say for the year 2020, it is May 1968, look like a good year. <laughs> That's interesting because I've always said 1968 was my personally my worst year. But uh, you, 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 got to, you made, made me think about something now. It's time for us to round this up. I want to talk to you for a minute off the air when we go. And I want to thank you for being with us tonight. This has been a wonderful conversation that we've had. Tony Rigsby has been our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow night we're going to talk to Nick Petro about the weather.